Maki, you ready? Well, I'll say it again. I'm waiting on you. Look who's talking. I oh. always kind of wait on you. Buckle up. You are listening to Musicians and Beyond, where we bring you the backstage info on the life, lyric, and long journeys of the music industry. Mark, how you doing today on this rainy New England day? Not too bad, but I just thought of something. You know, they might not just be listening. They may be watching. They are going to be watching, too, because we know. have a YouTube channel. Yeah. Thanks to you. Well, listen, we're getting there. We are little getting there. Baby yeah. steps. Baby steps. Speaking of getting there, episode 69, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, we were on our way. Uh, I didn't think you and I would last this long in the studio together. No. Yeah. There, were, there were times I thought we were going to kill each other. Well, we'll get there. We will get there, definitely. <laughs> uh, episode 68, last week, Sandra North, all the way from Sweden. Sweden. That's a, And when's her new release coming out? Today, Today the that's 25th. Right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, her new release, Sure Thing, is out now on all the major platforms, so you can listen to it yep. and download sure it. Sure Thing, S-H-O-R-E, Sure Thing. Awesome, yeah, it's Sandra North. A little play on words there. A little play on words, yeah. it was good. So today, Mark, episode 69, we have a very talented guest in studio in person. Yeah, uh, great entertainer, um, one of this region's best, and I'm sure we're going to find out where else he's been, and uh, a little bit more about him and his entertainment company. Yeah, let's uh, bring in Luciano Russo. Luciano, how are you? Hey guys, nice to be here today. Did great it, being here with you. It is great having... Uh, in-person guest. Absolutely. Yeah. You guys got a really nice setup here. I'm, I'm honored, honored to be here. Well, me too. I don't even know what to say there. It yeah. just makes me feel warm. Right? Doesn't it? It gives you the warm and fuzzies, Mark. <laughs> I got the lucky number episode, too. That's right. You do. 69. That's <laughs> What more could you ask for? You couldn't. That's great. <laughs> I mean, we, we could have gone 68 to 70, but... 68 and three quarters. You know, yeah, anything. Close. But you, you got it. You got the lucky 69. So welcome to the studio. Thank you. And thanks for coming in. And, you know, you have some fantastic stories to tell us about your past how you got into this and all of that so tell us a little bit about you yeah i'm i'm, I'm not sure my stories compared to some of the other guests you've uh, you've had in the audience but uh you know i'm i'm I'm, at, I'm 52 years old but i started in one capacity or another at 17 years old right junior oh. high school you know uh, as a drummer in a gb band you know so we would do a lot of weddings and yeah. private functions and things like that so over the years i've I've seen a few things here and there, but th those years were primarily as a drummer, but only recently have I converted to being a, a, a singer, you know. Um, Just recently? Yeah, only like six years or so. Really? You know, I took a little hiatus uh, once my kids were born. I was around 30, 33. Yeah. And um, yeah, I didn't want to really be lugging a drum set yeah. you know, all over yeah. the state. And so I, I took a little hiatus. And then somewhere around 2015, 2016, I, uh, I, was, uh, I was actually invited to a, a function, you know, some kind of party, banquet, whatever you want to call it. And uh, <laughs> I was listening to the band, and I'm like, you know, when you, when you, I'm, I'm looking at the bass player, and I'm not naming names or anything like that, and, and I can see him, he's like searching for chords. He's searching for the right note, and I'm like, this can't be. This, this is not right. You know, right. There, there, there has to be a better level of quality. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, not you know, touting myself or anything. I was like, I'm pretty sure I can do a better job than that. And that's when I was like, and I had through the years, you know, during my hiatus, I had, you know, technology had it started to come around that you could have tracks made up of, yeah. you know, back, back, the tail end of my drumming career. Um, you know, tracks sounded like a Casio keyboard kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they were really cheesy. Yeah. You know, but um, they started to get really, really good to the point that, you know, you could have the sound of a 30-piece orchestra behind you 
And uh, I'm like, wow, that's that's pretty good. So I started to accumulate a few few songs here and there that I just liked to sing. Because um, I, I would sing, even as a drummer, I would sing in the band, you know, backup vocals. And I was always a stickler for the details. My ex-band mates will, will, will t- would tell you, you know, we'd be putting a song together. I'd, I'd stop in the middle of a rehearsal and say, that doesn't sound right. You know, and so, <laughs> be like, well, what do you know? You're just a drummer. I'm like, I may be just a drummer, but I, I know what sounds correct and, you know, what's missing, you yeah. know. And so I, I became very, uh, I had developed an affinity for high quality tracks with the proper arrangements and things like that. Because I think on a subconscious level, I think that's what draws people into a, to a song. It's not necessarily the major chords and, and the lyrics. It, there's something in the background that's drawing them in, yeah. whether it's a, a strings arrangement or some kind of back, background vocal. There's usually something. Some it's kind the of, depth there. That, that, it's the depth, yeah. really, that makes the song a hit, yeah. you know, yeah. that grabs you. So these tracks became very uh, more common, you know, easy to get. And uh, I just started fooling around in my basement, singing along to it. And I'm like, you know, I didn't think anything of it. And then, like I said, one day I'm at this party and I'm like, I'll bet if I just get a laptop like the ones you guys got here and a couple of speakers, I could just sing, you know, and, and see how it goes. And it just started like that. You know, someone gave yeah. me a chance to perform at a private function. And um, it's kind of took off, off from went. there. You know, and again, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm around 35 jobs a year now, well, you know, 35 huh. shows a year. That's great. So, and it's, it's not my. It's obviously, this is not my primary gig. I'm a, I'm an engineer by trade. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. but I enjoy doing it. I enjoy being around people. Uh, I've made a lot of great friends. You got to have that creative release, and and yeah, especially in, as an engineer. Yeah, it does. Absolutely, <laughs> it's kind of boring, you know, behind the computer uh, designing stuff. But um, yeah, it's it's nice to meet people. It's nice to get that feedback. Yeah. From from an audience. You know, uh, especially when you're out there, you're singing along with them. I, I don't want to give the impression. This isn't karaoke. Karaoke is someone on stage, you know, with a screen <laughs> yeah. and they're reading off the words. Yeah. And, and you can be technically brilliant doing that, but you're not engaging with the audience. Right. It's, it's we were talking different. before we started filming uh, about getting into character mm-hmm. and how it changes and, and you morph into somebody else. Yeah. When yeah, it's, it's true. It's, uh, it's funny because there, there is... Uh, Sometimes I'll, I'll 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 go to my son, who's my, or my brother. I have my son, my son and my brother alternate being a uh, uh, sound technician for me. Yeah. And sometimes uh, you know, just right before we're about to go on, I, I'm like, you know, I'm kind of nervous. And he's like, "What are you nervous about? You've done this like thousands of times yeah. at this point." And it's like, it's like, yeah, I know, but I don't know. It's it's a new crowd, you know. You don't know how they're going to respond. And I, and I think that little bit of nervousness is what prompts you to want to get to know the crowd. You you kind of got to put yourself out there, so right? Throw yourself in the lions to the lions, and then and then work your way out of it. Yeah. you know what I mean. And I think an audience respects that more so than than just standing up on a stage and reading off a teleprompter. Right. Absolutely, they respect the fact that you threw yourself in the ring. Yeah, and you're you know you're trying to fight your way out of yeah. it. And when, once you win them over with that. You know, within the first few bars of the song, they'll know whether they're going to eat you alive or, 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 or clap for <laughs> yeah, you. Right. You know what yep. I mean? So there is that moment of sheer terror uh, <laughs> right, sure. before the first, right before the first song. And, and does that happen every single gig that you do? Not every single one. I mean, there are certain places that I, that I return to frequently, <clears throat> and so I, I kind of know the crowd. Um, but, for instance, like tomorrow night, I'm going to be at the Four Oaks Country Club in um, Drake, and uh, it's, a, it's a totally new crowd. So... Yeah. You know, I tend to put together a song, a set list of what I think they're going to want to hear. But uh, most of the time, even on some of the, the you know, the return gigs, I, I, you have to be quick, quick-witted. Yeah. And uh, you kind of got to know when to change gears and read the crowd and know what they're responding to and what they're not responding to. I think that's the difference between, you know, an average performer and a, and a great performer. Yeah. Right. You know, is, yeah. you know, is reading the room 
and uh, and knowing what, what makes them tick. It's not necessarily always about what you want to sing. You know, you kind of you kind of got to find out where they are and where they want to be. Yeah. You know, so that's pretty cool. It is. And is there one type of genre that you focus on pretty much? I, you know, I've, I've, I grew up listening to everything just like you guys. You know, I mean, um, Beatles, Led Zeppelin, all that stuff that we, we grew up with. I mean, I can't, I, I pick and choose songs here and there from all the things that I like. I mean, there's not much of Zeppelin I could pick and do, yeah. <laughs> you know, but, but there are some Beatles songs that I do. But from, for the most part, I mean, anything that sounds good in a, in a semi-formal semi setting, I'll, I'll, I'll attempt to do. Yeah. So that again, that could be Beatles, that could be uh, some Elvis songs, Roy Orbison. Uh, I grew up listening to the eight track classics. I call them. You know, my my father had the Engelbert Humperdinck. Yeah, I was just about. I still have it. it I, you know, I should bring it in someday because I still he's, have. Those. He's probably the guy most responsible for my <laughs> stage persona. Okay. Um, you know, I grew up listening to his greatest hits and his his yeah. velvet voice and yeah and um, you know, I, I I got most of it from him. But then there's all obviously there's the Dean Martin, Frank Sinatra stuff, and uh, you know anything in between that you know it, there's a lot of '80s stuff that I do as well. I, I, I struggle to find spots to, to, to put it in, but there's you know songs like you know um, "Every Breath You Take" by the by sure. the Police, uh, "Keep On Loving You" by Ario Speedwagon. These are great ballad songs. It's just sometimes you're not sure if the crowd's gonna going to take it on. So I, I wait to see in, until there's like enough people that look like me like yeah, right, right. In, my, in my age range and then, you know, maybe I'll throw gotta, one out. Got to read the demographics, song, yeah. But, you know what I mean? But I've got a wide array of, of songs that I that I do. It's just a matter of picking the ones that you think are going to blend right. best with the audience. For the most part, I, you know, there are, every show seems to follow the same type of uh, pattern. You know, usually people, and I, I don't, I'm not trying to stereotype anybody, but a lot of my, a lot of my audience have a, an Italian background to mm -hmm. them, um, so they, they're usually they're always very very receptive. But um, until they get their bellies full, they probably <laughs> they don't like to get up on the dance floor until they they're satisfied yeah. here in the gut. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I tend to do more of, of listening type songs rather than dancing type songs. You know what I mean? You sure. Know, come fly with me or something you know, swingy or something yeah. that they that they can just listen to for a while until. What's the biggest crowd you've performed in front of? Uh, as a singer, probably around 250, which is not okay. a lot. You know, as a, as a drummer, I mean, back in the day, we we would you know, we were doing some big weddings in the 400, 500 yeah. person range. Yeah. You know, that's a good show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when Caruso Diplomat up on on um, oh yeah on Route One, they yeah. would open up both halls, and I think it was more than that. Actually, I think it was more like a 600 person wedding. Yeah, I think it was for the Taro family in East Boston. As a oh, okay. Of fact. Yeah. Um, yeah. Big big stuff, but you know. Uh, any audience is, is a great audience, to be quite honest with you. Uh, the smaller, the more intimate it can be, you know? Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't really look at audience size as a... What, what, I, what I'm happy with is if people go away smiling or if people are upset uh, that it's over. Right. You know, that's, yeah. that's kind of the way I gauge it. It's a great way to look at it. Mm -hmm. So what got you into music? Do you have a background? Uh, yeah. Um, family background? A very, very vivid memory in, in my grandfather's house uh, back in... Mid seventies, late seventies, um, we'd all gather around on Sunday night and watch the Lawrence Welk show. You know, oh yeah. You know, my grandfather was a big, big uh, lover of classical music. I would uh, kind of be watching, and uh, he'd I'd see the conductor with his baton doing all that stuff. And I'm like, wonder what the hell he's doing. You know, <laughs> grab, grab one of my, I'm still trying to figure out what they were doing. One, <laughs> grab one of, so I try to mimic him. I grab one of my grandmother's big wooden spaghetti yeah. spoons. You know what I mean? <laughs> doing the same kind of thing. Um, but what really. Uh, what really got me was the first time I, uh, I don't know if you remember the show at all, but Lawrence Welk had this 
very young, pretty um, Mexican singer. Her name was Ana Cani. Come yeah. on, and she would always do a special song or something like that. I was just smitten the first time. I saw her. Even, <laughs> even at like nine years old or whatever the hell it was, I was like, wow. Beautiful voice, and I think I want to do. I want to do whatever I need to do to, to be near. Be her, near her, yeah. You know? <laughs> so yeah, that was. But again, it was that. That was probably my first memory of like listening to music. Okay, you know, listening to all those guys on the Lawrence Welk show sing. There was a lot of great singers. Oh yeah, a lot of those variety shows back in the seventies were great. I mean, the Tom Jones show, the Donnie Osmond show, all that, all that kind of that that type of entertainment really is a lost art. Yeah. Um, I, I grew up watching it with my grandparents as well. Same thing. Yeah. Same group of it performers. Wasn't, it yeah. wasn't just, you know, it wasn't just someone singing. There was a little bit of a banter. You yeah. know, the, the take the Jerry Lewis telethons. I mean, there was guy. I mean, it was just entertainment. Hee-haw. Hee-haw. Hee-haw, yeah. <laughs> you know, my dad used to watch Hee-haw. Rickles, I mean, you know, the Great. roasts, all that, that whole type of environment. Yeah. It's just, it's, we lost all that. Yeah. And, Absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, one person can't recreate that, but... You know, a little bit of banter with with the audience here and there, whenever possible. You know, drag somebody up on stage, have them do a duet with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I try to do that as, as much as I can. No kidding. Oh yeah, it's oh, a lot of great. fun. You know, and it, the tracks usually, if I call somebody somebody up for a duet, my my, my tracks are already pre recorded. So the male part is what I provide. The female part will, will already be there, and I'll tell the person I bring up on stage, "Don't worry about it. The tracks will cover you." You know yeah. what I mean? It's more about you're going to sound great. You're going to sound great. You're going to sound great. You know. Um, and so, but people like being part of the act. Yeah. No yeah. one, no one wants someone just sitting up there and singing. Or for that matter, you know, with all due respect to DJs and things like that, yeah. you know, just sitting there and, and and pushing a button. You know, yeah, you you're pushing a button. The music coming out is 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 top notch. It's the best. It's the way it was recorded. But the real trick is performing that music albeit to backing tracks you know but you still got to provide the vocals absolutely you've got to go out there and, and you've got to make the entertainment sound. part of it yeah yeah you've got to go out there and you've got to you know people people appreciate someone coming up to their table smiling uh engaging them you know they, they realize that they're not just being something thrown at them, absolutely you know I mean? yeah yeah that, that's kind of the way i look at it because i've been at functions where where a dj or somebody will just you know push the button and it's just blah it's just yeah. there yeah. you know what i mean there's no there are great guys who, who uh, 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 you know, is it all right for me to plug somebody? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Alan LaBelle is a, a, a guy I took a, a page out of. He's a guy from East Boston. Uh, great guy, great guy. Way before I even even considered doing this, he's exactly the, the, the person that I'm describing that right now. He goes the extra mile, extra 10 miles to engage the audience. Doesn't do a lot of singing, but definitely goes out there and, you know, while the music's playing. and, and, and So I kind of took a page out of his book along with all the 70s stuff that we, we yeah. all grew up listening yeah. to, to kind of give the audience uh, a musical, but also like a cabaret-type environment to, to be involved in. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, you mentioned, you know, having that touch with the audience and, and making sure you walk up to a table and, and you get your arm around someone or you're singing to a, a woman that's sitting there. Yeah. I can't remember the name of the band, but we went to a show down the Cape. The saxophonist walks off stage and walks amongst the audience. The singer sits at a table for a while. Yeah, yeah people that's exactly love that what, stuff. And yeah. that's what I remember. You know, yeah. I don't remember the name of the band, but I remember having a lot of fun. Yeah, one you know? of my favorite things to do is to, uh, if I see an empty seat and I see like a, a, a nice young woman or a you know, sitting there looking the other way, I'll sit in the seat next to her and she doesn't know I'm sitting yeah. right behind her and I'm singing the song and then everyone else will kind of point to her and she'll turn around and she sees me singing right yeah. next to her. You know? That's good. It's, it, it's kind of cool. I mean, it, it's a lot of thinking on your feet, quick thinking, Absolutely. things like yeah. that, yeah. you know? So. People definitely love that personal interaction. Absolutely, yeah. 
Yeah. You've been doing this for years. When was the first time you actually performed in front of an audience? Uh, I was about, yeah, I was 17, really. Oh. Yeah, I was a junior in high school, and um, it was a, a band out of East Boston, Europa. And um, their drummer was taking a hiatus. One of the guys in the band uh, was a good friend of mine now, Ross Sagami. He, uh, he suggested me to fill the role. And um, I did it, and I ended up staying in that role for 13, 14 years until I was about 31, 32. And uh, during, the, during those 14 years, I learned a lot. Yeah. Just, I, at 17, I was just a hack drummer, junior in high school, you know. Um, but performing uh, anniversaries and weddings and things like that, it's, 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 you, 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 you got to develop a good sense of um, business as well, how to deal with people. Yeah. Punctuality, being there on time. Um, you know, knowing how to plan out your day. If you got a if you've, if you've got a wedding to perform at out in Worcester, you know what time do you uh, start to pack your yeah. stuff up? And these are all, all lessons that I, I carry with me uh, to this day. You talked about you know learning a lot of, about the business in the, the years. Did you have any mentors that worked with you over the years that you look up to and say that's I got to follow his lead? Yeah, the, or hers. Well, like, again, like my grandfather would always encourage me. He would make me listen to a lot of his um, you know uh, classical. I knew he was an avid fan of music, but I, I, I can't say he taught me anything. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the, I, I, if I had to guess, I would say he probably had a decent voice himself, um, but I never got a chance to hear him sing. But like I said, the guys in, in that band, you know, all of them, uh, you know, Ross, um, uh, the guy I replaced on drums, Sozio, and, and all the other guys, Danny and, and John, they, um, they all talked, because I was the youngest. I was 17. They were, was all, they were already in there you know, 20s and 30s. And, um, you know, a, a, they taught me pretty much everything, yeah. really. Um, mostly, you know, the punctuality thing and, and the responsibility. Um, always trying to always trying to learn from, from your, your mistakes, because yeah. we all made mistakes. But um, primarily, the, the thing I, I learned the most was how to, how to read the room. You know, even, yeah, I would even partake in that a little bit, too. Because so, I, 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 I had the luxury of not having to sing much. So I could just play and like kind of scan the room and figure out what people were responding to. And I would suggest, you know, over my shoulders, like, hey, why don't we do this song next? Right. Why, why don't we yeah. do that? You know what I mean? And then we'd kind of yes it or no it, you know, with, with, with nods and gestures. And uh, that's and that's kind of what I do today. I'll, I'll be singing a song, and if I don't think it's going over very well, I'll, I'll, I'll look over to my, my brother or my son, whoever's on the yeah. controls, and I'll, I'll mouth something in between lyrics and you know we'll, we'll figure it out. You know we kind of we kind of if you if the ball's rolling, you want to keep it rolling. Yeah. And if it's at a dead stop, you want to you know, change gears and, and, and do something. Reengage. So, you mentioned the business side of things, learning the business. Tell us about your business now. Yeah, uh, calling it a business might be a stretch, but it's really just a, a, a side side gig that I've got. Uh, Where can they find you? www.lsr my initials Luciano Sandro Russo lsrentertainment.com. It's just a website that was developed just to give people uh, a glimpse into what I do. Most of what you see on that website is just some testimonials, some video that was taken from a, a show that we did in Wilmington last year. We did a, an, uh, it was called um, A Night with Sinatra and Friends, and it was basically Italian Heritage Month. So okay. it was a two-act two, two act show. Uh, the first part of the act was uh, all Frank Sinatra stuff, a little intermission, and then his contemporaries, some Dean Martin, some Jerry Vale, uh, um, Frankie Valley, you know, a little bit of everything thrown into the second act. Okay, and uh, it was it was really a, a well thought out 
well-performed um, uh, performance. You know, we had a few preliminary meetings about how to how to perform it. We had a, a nice backdrop, uh, similar to what you know you guys try to do, and um, it actually went off better than I thought. You know, I had I had actually visualized that show in my head multiple times ahead of you know what I mean because I think you have kind of have to do that. Sure. Um, there was some some little quips and little jokes that I kind of wanted to throw in in between songs because you can't just go out and sing ten songs. Right. You know, there's got to be something to you know if you're gonna sing tell a story with me, <clears throat> then you say something about flying or you, know, you kind of want to lead into yeah. something. And so I, I I had envisioned a lot of where and when to say those uh, yeah. those those things, and it, it kind of worked out pretty good. You know, nice. so nice. that actually that actually spurred me quite a bit. That show has actually gotten me a lot of notoriety. Nice. I'm glad I was able to, to perform. I, I'm, my heart goes out, and I thank very much the Wilmington Sons of Italy for, for asking me to do that show. We're actually going to be doing another one similar to that in late October. Excellent. Um, well, we'll be sure to av- sure. advertise that for you when the Absolutely. dates and times come yeah. out. Absolutely. I think it's October 28th at the Winchester, actually, Winchester Sons of Italy, which is not too far from here. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Luciano, let's hear a little snippet of Frank Sinatra. <laughs> Put you on the spot. I, 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 I got the feeling you guys are going to do that. <laughs> See, it's nothing. Should I, should I play it on my phone? Whatever you want to do. <laughs> Come fly with me. Let's fly. Let's fly away. You can use some exotic booze. There's a bar in far Bombay. Come on, fly with me. Let's fly. Let's fly away. I never considered myself to be an impersonator, but uh, <laughs> just keeping the... Uh, the basic, um, you know, key yeah. is usually enough. No, that's great. That's Luciano Russo. Yeah, and those looking at a book that are listening right now, you can go to his website. You heard him say it, but I'm going to say it again, lsrentertainment.com. Make sure you go there and learn a little bit more, but also book a show. Cool. And Luciano, you've been doing this since you've been 17. Yeah. So between 17 and the age you are now, how have you seen music evolve or change? Um, in the pejorative, I think... What we hear on the radio today is a far cry from even what we heard in the 80s. I mean, the, yeah. you know, I remember in the 80s, you know, my dad would say, my God, what crap you guys listen to now. <laughs> and I'd be like, yeah, whatever. You know what I mean? But now I, I kind of feel the same way. But you look, you look back or you listen back to some of the things that were created in the 80s. There was some thought put into this, even regardless of the genre, even some of the, I mean, I, I was even into like some heavy metal stuff. You know, or hard rock, whatever you want to call it. Even that stuff had thought put into it. Sure. You know, and there was actual musicians going into a studio, laying down tracks and, yeah. you know, mixing and doing all those things. Where nowadays, uh, I, I don't know. I just, I hear, I, so, it just goes through me. Most of what I hear today on the radio goes right through me. Yeah. Right. So do you think technology has hurt or helped the music industry? Or the way people put music out there? I, I think it's hurt. I think it's hurt because it's allowed, I mean, just, just, I'm, I'm probably the, a good example. I mean, with a laptop, I've replaced like 30 musicians that, that could potentially have been backing me up. And what I'm trying to say is, you know, the, the same thing that I can do is somebody in the studio, you know, some whiz kid in the studio can lay down tracks on you know, whatever they call the software, Pro Tools or whatever yeah. that thing We is. haven't even seen how AI is going right, to change the music right, industry, right? Right, right, Well, that there's one good aspect about AI is that you can take, you know, you can take a song that you love and, and, it's, and it's the best quality version of that song because... As good as the tracks have become, sometimes they're always missing a little something. But you can, I've seen a version of an AI song that removes the vocals from a song. Sure. You know what I mean? And like I said, most of the time I don't have to do that. 
Um, I have a guy in New York who does tracks for me. And yeah. it's, it's usually like spot on. I mean, it's nothing to, to complain about. Um, but uh, AI, that's, I think that's one good thing that could come out of the, the technology. But I think the bad side of it is that technology removes the feel from songs. You know, we, we think some of, the, some of the best songs in the world that we heard growing up are, are perfect. They're perfect because as, an, as, as a whole, they, they, they fill a void inside you whether it's you know, Stay Away to Heaven or some, something along those lines. But if you actually broke down those songs, you'd see that there's probably areas where uh, the drums speed up or, or, or the guitar might be slightly, uh, you know, it's the imperfections that really make a song sometimes, you know, unique. Yeah, and you know what makes what I think of when you say that is the old uh, vinyl albums are coming back, right? Exactly. And that's the same thing. You, you hear the, the little warmth. click, click, it's the click, warmth. or if there's a scratch, anything like that. But yeah. it makes it real. Yeah, the, the, I, I like how you describe the warmth. You know, it, that sound is completely different from what we hear now. I think I think that I think subconsciously, if I had to speculate, I think subconsciously we can tell when something is genuine. Yeah, and when it's we may not rationally realize it, but I think your your, your subconscious realizes when you're moved by something, mm-hmm. it's because it's genuine. Yeah, kind of like the whole argument I was making about the DJ, which is mechanical; it's just coming out at you, or the warmth of a person singing that same song to you in front of you, yeah. moving around, engaging you with his eyes. You know that kind of that kind of thing. I think subconsciously that's a it's a big difference. Technically, it's the same song. It's the same track. Maybe the vocals are just slightly different. So, you know, what's why? Why do the people leaving one of my shows feel better at the end of the night than just having sat there? You know, you you made me think of something along those lines. That when you look back to the seventies, the sixties and seventies, Elvis, along with his record release, came movies. Right. And he was singing it in the movies. And I think about that. I think of when Frank and Dean and those guys were in different movies singing the songs from their albums. Right. It definitely had a different impact, a different feel. And you could relate to the song better, but you could also have something it's in your head. A visual to, yeah. to what was yeah. going along with it. Yeah. That's, I, I, I don't think I've thought of uh, Elvis playing in Blue Hawaii and I don't know how long, you know. But. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, it's kind of sad, you know. It's, um, I'm, I'm not sure. I think we lived the golden age of, of music yeah. and performers. Um, like, like I said, there's, there's probably, I mean, that's, there's probably great performers out there. Uh, it's just that they're, from an economic standpoint, they're probably not good, you know, record companies aren't going to spend, spend time. And I think part of it has, has to do with um, the fact that, how do, I, how do I say this? Record companies don't want to spend a lot of time, or money, actually, sending guys into a studio, right? Right. Because any song out there today... Okay, when we when we were growing up, if you wanted a copy of uh, "Walk This Way" by Aerosmith, you had to go find a cassette tape, go to your friend's house. If you had a double deck cassette, you yeah. could, you know. Nowadays, you can lift a song off of anything. Correct. Right? Yeah. So, I guess the record company's rationale is like, why should we spend time in the studios, thousands or millions of dollars, whatever it takes, to create a song that everyone can rip off at a moment's notice? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So they're like, we're going to make it for the cheapest amount of money with. You know, like I said, a laptop, Pro Tools, and just get it out there. Yeah. You know, I think I think that's got something to do with it. I could be way off base. Yeah, it seems very you know, sounds absolutely yeah. logical to me. Yeah. Because <laughs> you know, because you know, I think one of the I forget which Alton Smith album it was, or, or any of those albums back in the seventies, Quadrophenia, any of those, they were probably in the studio for a better part of a year. Sure. You know what I mean? And, right. Think that's about that. That's a lot of money yeah. if you think in today's. You know, yeah. imagine what that would cost. Today. I mean, it wasn't even really that long ago. Maybe 15, 20 years ago, they'd be yeah. in the studios doing these. Right. For what I'm saying, yeah, 
So uh, there's probably musicians out there that are capable of producing great, great music, but it's going to require time for them to put it all together in, in that kind of setting. And, yeah. and I don't think the record companies are interested in spending Agreed. that kind of, yeah. kind of money. So through your years being an entertainer, you've seen some shit. <laughs> you alluded to something before we started recording. Oh, yeah. Some of the stuff that you've seen along the way at weddings and, you know, bar mitzvahs and all these... My, uh, uh, Fundraisers. My, my ex-bandmates will, will remember this this one vividly. I, Omni Omni Parker House in downtown Boston, right around right around downtown Crossing, somewhere mm -hmm. around there. Um, memorable memorable show for two reasons. One was, you know, if you're a drummer, you got the most shit to carry. Let's just let's just put it that way. So I remember it vividly, driving into a back alley, uh, unloading all my stuff, um, going ha the guy telling me you got to go park your car, you can't leave it here. And me, me thinking, by the time I get back, my drum set's going to be gone. Right. You know? <laughs> drum set was still there, but then I found out that there's two sets of elevators. You know, one that takes you to a certain level of, 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 the, of the hotel, maybe the 30th floor, whatever you want to call it. And then the reception was being held two floors two above floors that, above, which yep. was a separate I elevator altogether. Yeah. So you, you, you got to go up one elevator, lug all your shit in there. Oh, I'm sorry. Can I say shit? Oh, yeah, you can say, yeah. You get up there. You... you you get out of that elevator and then drag everything down a corridor, kind of like that scene from Goodfellas, you know, in the kitchen, they're kind of going in, yeah. in and out of, yeah. you know, go, go all the way through the kitchen, uh, get spaghetti all over you, you know, <laughs> stained, and uh, then into another elevator uh, to, to finally get onto the reception floor. That was that. And this bride was an absolute piece of work. This bride was... Bridezilla. Brides, thank you. Bridezilla. Bridezilla. <laughs> I guess she had made a request about uh, not wanting a certain song played during the evening for whatever reason. She didn't like it. And at some point in the, in the show, we either forgot or the person requesting the song was really adamant about it. You know, so please, it's my wife's birthday. Can you please play this song? Blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, it was a song that we always played. So it was, you know, it just kind of came second nature. So we started playing it. And we're about halfway through the second verse, and I just got storming across the dance floor. Gets to about 10 feet from the stage, and at the top of her lungs, stop the fucking song! Stop the fucking song! Like, and she kept screaming it, stop the fucking song! No way. And everyone's just like looking at her, and we're looking at each other, and we're like, Shit, she was serious. Oops. Yeah. You know I mean, we fig you know, you would think that someone would, would would you know would come later on and say, "Hey, I, I'm sorry, I asked you not to play that song." You know. Right. Right. Or just be upset. We didn't expect her to, to react like that. And uh, so I'm like, I'm the drummer. I'm like, I'm slowly starting to wind it down and just boom, kind of, boom, 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 exactly. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Good night. It was like one of the most awkward, awkward things I've ever, ever experienced. That's pretty crazy. But as the drummer though, you're kind of removed from it. You're behind yeah, the I, set, I, I, you're, yeah, you're I, behind I, the uh, kit and you can I go. Had to, I, you know, I, if she threw something, I was kind of shielded by, by some yeah. drums. Luciano's looking for the exits in the back. He's going to yeah, yeah. make a quick, that quick was, escape. That was, that was one. Another time we were out in, we did a sh uh, an outdoor festival up in Webster, Mass. I don't know if you, it's near the Connecticut border, but it's mm -hmm. way, way out way there. Way there, yeah. And, uh, man, I, you know, I know it was technically it was still Massachusetts, but it, you know, with all due respect to, like, Idaho, I mean, it might as well have been Idaho. <laughs> um, we got, I, I, I didn't think I'd actually ever see a corncob pipe in my life, but I went out there and I saw an old woman 
it was just like an open air. It was like a tent, kind of yeah. like a harbor lights kind of tent thing. But uh, we we didn't belong there. We were more of an ethnic kind of band back then. And I don't know how we got this gig, but we went out there and there was people in rocking chairs and like like this. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. Like I swear to God, with like the pipe and the, like grandma. A different Moses, world. Grandma Moses kind of thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what was going through my mind. I was like, I was like, when is this gig over? Let's get the hell out of here. But you know, you learn, you learn a lot. You learn a lot. And in those days, what was funny about those days was that it's not like now you have, oh, it's you know such and such Mockingbird Lane. Right. You type it in and you just follow this. You got a piece of paper and you. Not even back then. Back in those days, so we were like you know seven guys in the band driving four different cars or five cars maybe. And I was like, okay, we're all going to meet on the Mass Pike at the at this exit. You know, and we're going to follow each other. You know what I mean? And uh, sometimes, depending on it, it, where you were coming from, you could get, you can kind of get lost from the the guy in yeah, front of you. Yeah. you know? <laughs> it was just like, I was like, man, those, those, are, and I, like, again, I was 17, 18 years old. I wasn't, I was only driving for like, you know, a year or so. I didn't really know all the, all the roads like you, know, you kind of do now over the years. You learn what the re- relativity of everything is, you know. Back in those days, it was kind of scary. You know? <laughs> Yeah, it's a different world, that's for sure. Yeah, they got it easy nowadays. You're not kidding. And then coming back at night, you know, on the Mass Pike, it's, you know, 1.30 to 2 in the morning, and, you know, you're, you're, you're 17 years old, so you don't know enough to carry money with you at all right, times. Right, right. You end up at a toll on the Mass Pike, and you don't have change or whatever, <laughs> something stupid like that. They didn't have cameras back then. You could have just gone through, right? I did. I did, yeah. And I was so worried about it. I was like, I got home. I was like, oh, I did something terrible. I did something terrible. My mom's like, what you do? What you do? I was like, I ran through a toll. It was terrible. <laughs> Wait, looking in the mirror, waiting for the trooper to catch up to you at yeah, some so point. Yeah, so you know, the next day, my mother's on the phone, like, with a, a relative of ours who happened to have another relative who worked at Massport. And she's like, my God, you got to help us. My son, he ran a toll. He's like, she thought I was going to get arrested. You know what I mean? And nowadays, I would say, don't worry about it. I'm you rebel, sure, you. Know? Yeah. yeah. It'll come in the <laughs> mail. What a, what a rebel. I ran yeah. a toll. <laughs> if that's the worst thing you did, you're doing all right. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what do you have coming up for shows? You- I got to update my calendar. But uh, again, t- uh, tomorrow night, I'm at the uh, Four Oaks Country Club in Drake for a private function. I've got a couple couple of gigs in September in Stoneham. Tell us when you're going to do that next show uh, with the Winchester. That's, if I'm not mistaken, that's October 28th okay. at the Winchester Sons of Italy. Excellent. And, um, and that's a public event? I believe, yeah. Okay, yeah, good. Absolutely. Excellent. Absolutely. So yeah, we're, we'll looking, we're looking forward to that. October is Italian heritage. I'm booked solid in October. I bet. Yeah. yeah so. Do you ever get down to any of the feasts? I'm hoping to get down to St. Anthony's tonight. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> well, we'll see how that rain, goes tonight the now. The rain holds up. Yeah. The rain does, uh, goes away, but... Uh, I've yet to do a, a feast, an outdoor feast. If I'm, if I'm being totally honest, I'm not a big fan of outdoor. So, really? Yeah, no kidding. I don't know why, but uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll do anything. But <laughs> something about outdoors doesn't—I uh, don't know. It's just like there's too much distraction going on sometimes, and I—I yeah. I kinda like to be the center of attention. Uh, yeah, 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 that makes sense. I'm going to make sure we introduce you to our friends at San Rocco over in Malden. They do a feast every year. Oh, it just yeah. went by, and they always have you know different different. Um, performance uh every year so yeah, i'm gonna have to make sure that going through my mind too. Yeah. call pete levine and yeah. uh yeah get him in there absolutely Rock, yeah. I like, I like the it's a it's there. a great neighborhood event that's uh, the one on um they do it in um that big church is st joseph's is it Saint? so that they do it right outside on um pearl street yes and it's right outside the it now it's it's it 
it's a Haitian church, but it was a neighborhood in Edgeworth. Okay. The Italian families in Edgeworth that originally went there built that church. Okay. And um, sadly, over the years, the, the Catholic church uh, sold it out from underneath the, all the yeah. families that had been there. So um, they lost their heritage there. But the Italian American Club is right down the street. Right. Um, it's a, it's a great great small right. neighborhood festival. Yeah. I try to do my part to maintain the heritage aspect of it too. Like again, most of my repertoire is 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 the quote unquote you know the Rat Pack type stuff okay. with some Orbison and some Elvis and some everything else kind of thrown in there and some eighties. But I, I some contemporary Italian uh, yeah. is is a good part of my repertoire as well. Is some even some of the Older, older yeah. Italian stuff. Another, we 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 got to get introduce you to Albert over at Anthony's of Malden, the big. Uh, that's where a, yeah. a, a big wedding venue. Yeah, I've done but, many shows there. Oh, have you? Oh, oh yeah, okay, back good. Back in the day, not not sing, not singing, but. Uh, oh, we ought to, we ought to get you a show over there, and uh, that's a that's a I love going to a show there. Yeah, it's right down the street from me, so it's nice and easy. That's and a nice hall. That's a nice it's, room. Yeah, it's it a. And I, geez, I, we did a wedding there with my sister in law. I think it, we had over four hundred and. Yeah. Something people they did a good job. There was a guy in Medford who used to do a big, big wine tasting um, type of party. You know, like kind of like a competition actually. Yeah. Where everybody would submit their homemade Italian wine and uh, and they they made a banquet out of it. Love that. I mean? Yeah, those good years, good years, a lot of good memories. Excellent. I'm gonna have to get you over there. I'd love to get you in Malden and and, and get something going there, especially with San Rocco. I'm gonna make sure Steve Altrino and Pete Levine get your contact information. We'll get that to them. Be happy to. What else you got going on in life? Um, on a personal note, I am, again, I'm an engineer by trade, by my primary. Uh, what type of engineer? Mechanical. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I have a precision manufacturing company up on the North Shore. Okay. And uh, I'm a happily married man with uh, a 24-year-old and a 20-year-old. My daughter's uh, a nurse at Brigham and Women. Oh, excellent. Yeah. And Good my son is a second-year engineering student at UMass Lowell. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Following in the footsteps. Yeah, yeah, kind of. I, I didn't force him, but that's kind of what uh, what he wanted to do. Good. And either of them going to follow in your footsteps of getting into the music? My part. son's more of the, of the athlete, uh, student type. Um, my, my, my daughter has a musical gene. I'm pretty sure she does. Um, she chooses not to pursue it just yet, but who knows? We, we might try and change that. I got a 16-year-old that thinks she's a musical uh, genius as well, and she just sits in her room or the bathroom, and all I can hear is music blaring and her singing behind it. Yeah. And my God, I... Can't wait till she goes off to college. <laughs> <laughs> Any day now, Mark. Oh, you just described my wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One, I just I want to be able to go out to my bathroom and not have the door closed almost like for four hours. And can I get some access here? Yeah. You know, it's my wife. She um, if she ever hears Copacabana by Mary Manilow, she'll, off and running. She'll, she'll she'll just charge that stage and take the mic away. So I make sure I put a delete on on, on that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, she, she doesn't like to sing, but when she hears that, she just feels the need to get up. On That's the stage. funny. I like it. So, Luciana, you've been on the stage a lot over the years. Have you ever had anyone of notable name join you on stage? <laughs> I mean, if Italian singers count, I mean, I shared a stage as a drummer I, with a with a, a famous Italian singer. Um, his name was Mario Marola. He was. Um, and this was back in the day when there was a place called Tremont Villa in uh, in Everett, down in. I don't know what you call that area down by GE. Um, oh, but that's that's probably that's probably the only, yeah. only person I can think of. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, sorry to burst that bubble. No, that's uh, that's still good. So, uh, Luciano, what else do you want to tell our listeners and our viewers? Um, I just want to congratulate you guys on the great 
service you're doing for local musicians. I mean, this is a, quite an honor. I mean, just to even be considered to come in and talk a little bit about what we do. But uh, um, I, I think it's important to try and, you know, how everyone always says, you know, uh, think locally. Yeah. You know, and buy from local farmers and things like that. Keep a, keep an eye out for your local performers too. I Absolutely, mean, a lot of these guys are in, you know, lounges and things like that, just trying to make people happy. And yeah. Sometimes you know, just paying a little bit of attention to them and maybe a, a hand clap here and there, you know, it really goes a long way to someone putting himself out there. Amen. Uh, don't be afraid. To, don't be afraid to go out to uh, to functions and things like that. You know, get out there and enjoy life because um, uh, you know, none of us know when when our last day is going to be. That's true. Yeah, you know, so so all true. we've been through, let's uh, let's go. It was it was kind of scary for a while there as a performer. You you know you didn't know if you were ever going to be able to perform again. Yeah, you know, and uh, it was you know those first few gigs back, it was you, know, you could see people were a little hesitant to to come out on the dance floor and things like that. And you know, and, and you know I would preface my 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 introduction with you know thank you so much all for coming out and you know please remember that life is worth living. So don't be afraid to come up here and yeah yeah. Something. You know that you guys, as entertainers, played in a very important role of getting people back out, getting people comfortable going to, to places, to right. getting back in the public, and having fun and living. Well, I tell, I tell, I, I even tell that too. Um, you know, sometimes I'll meet with with couples who are going to get married. I'll sit down with them. We'll talk about you know what we'll do and what we won't do, and and I, I try to tell them it's like you know I, it's my job to kind of set the tone for the event. You know, if people see that I'm having a good time, yeah. then they're going to be more less, you know, less inclined to stay at the table. They're going to be more inclined. You got to get them out of their inhibitions, their and zone. yeah. So it's kind of like being back in the school yet. If you see the other, if you, if you see the other kid making an ass of himself, you don't feel so bad <laughs> making an ass of himself. You know, um, that's kind of the, the, the approach that I take, and I tell the, the bride and groom the same thing. It's like if you know, if everyone sees that you two are uptight and you know, really nervous, they're not, they're not going to feel, they're not going to feel like. You know, to let loose. You know what I mean. You've yeah. got to set set the tone a little bit too. You know, so that's that's kind of what I what I try to do. Again, it's the whole analogy with the DJ. The DJ just sits up there and just you know has one hand right. to his ear and just does this, but that only goes so far. You know what I mean. You got kind of got to get out there and, and, and engage people a little bit. You know, I think that's that's what needs to be done. Now, when you're sitting with the the bride and the groom, do you ever say, "Now, is there a song?" That yeah, you I do, do now. Not? <laughs> yeah, I do now. Absolutely. After after that lesson, yeah. <laughs> For sure, and there, you know, usually it's yeah, no chicken dance or something. Yeah, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. That that I still have nightmares about that. I bet. Come on, I bet. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, for those listening, you are listening to Musicians and Beyond with La Horn and Sarabian. Want to thank you for listening, and please go and follow us on your social media, and follow Luciano Russo, and you can. Find out about his information at lsrentertainment.com and find out where Luciano is going to be playing and performing. And we're going to see him in October in Winchester at the Sons of Italy. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much Thank for coming in. This, I mean, this has been a blast. Yeah, yeah. this has it's been, been a lot of fun. I, it's I'm actually surprised I got through it without stuttering. <laughs> well, I'm surprised John did. Uh, th- thanks, Mark. <laughs> thanks. You always end with some kind of banter, give me a hard time, and... I don't it's know. just easy. It's easy. I'm an easy target. You are. Well, Mark, I want to thank you for being my friend, Mark. <laughs> well, I want to thank you for being my friend. Come and on. We want to thank Luciano for, for being, being our friend. friend. Thanks, guys. <laughs>